to Tiny Voice Talks with me, Toria Bono, and today Tiny Voice is talking that about everyone having something to share. And I am joined, I'm so excited to be joined today by Kat Couchy. So welcome, Kat. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I've been dying to come on Tiny Voice Talks for ages. <laughs> I'm so excited you're here because we came across each other on Twitter and I just think you do so many phenomenal things. So to actually have time with you is just like, yay, time with Cat Couchy. Oh, thank you. I feel the same way about you. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone that hasn't come across you, who is Cat Couchy? So I'm Kat. Um, I'm a former primary school teacher and education is very dear to me and everything that I do now. Um, so I work at NetSupport. I'm the product manager of Rudy School, which is a solution for early years and primary for capturing learning, engaging with parents, all those kind of aspects. I also am the editor of Rise magazine, which launched in September, and it's our free online magazine for educators very much by educators as a big kind of community project. And then I also host the uh, Primary Importance podcast. Uh, as well as that, I am a really proud member of the Global Equality Collective, a techno camp, skills and STEM role model, and also a global edtech author. So lots to keep me out of trouble. <laughs> God, there's so <laughs> as much there. Honestly, yeah. I'm lazy talking to you and I think I'm You're definitely busy. not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing all of these things so how did this all come about that's a bizarre so, question because there's so much that came about but tell yeah. me about sort of the story up to where we are now yeah so it, it started obviously I was teaching before and I loved it but I was looking for a different challenge so a different mm. way that I could still be within education but outside of the classroom and then I'd heard about the role of product manager and net support and how they were determined that it had to be a teacher in that position. They wanted to make sure it was someone that really understood what educators need and could really kind of empathize with that. Um, and that was um, Al Kingsley that recruited me mm-hmm. um, for that position. Um, and he's always kind of really championed me and had a lot of belief in me and what I can do. So when it came to Rise Magazine, um, it was kind of his idea, but he very much kind of handed me the reins and said, I want you to have creative control and be the editor of this because I know you'll do a really great job. Um, And then Katie, our marketing manager, recommended the podcast as well. It's just so we could have kind of focus on early years and primary aspects. So talking Mm -hmm. to lots of different experts about all their specialisms and and really sharing practice. Because we're just, we're so keen in that support, although obviously it is a business and businesses you know, are about sales and all those aspects. We are very much about the community and giving back to that. So that was kind of why I knew I'd be happy to work somewhere like that. As an educator, I still got that pedagogy strong there. Um, And with the Global Equality Collective, I actually met Nick at BET, Nick Ponsford, Mm -hmm. um, for she originally asked me to join their, I think it was Women in Tech group. So it was initially like a little subgroup. of the Global Quality Collective and then it kind of grew from there to becoming a full member and <laughs> even with her as well she's been the same of kind of pushing me to do things like blogging and uh joining the joining some of their panel discussions and and all that kind of stuff so I think I've been quite lucky that I've had a lot of people that have kind of seen something in me that I didn't really see in myself um and just pushed me to go for these things yeah 
And I mean, you mentioned Al and Nick, and I love what both of them are doing. And mm. I've had Al on the podcast, as you know, and he is passionate about education. As you say, he's passionate mm. about that building a community. Now, I want to go back to something you said, which is, you know, you felt that they saw you and in a sense mm-hmm. have belief in you. Now, that's what you do for so many other educators, I feel. So with your Rise magazine, you are actually really enabling the authors to to be seen through your belief. Yeah, you- thank you. That is kind of really important to me. Mm. Um with the magazine that was kind of the biggest aspect is that I really wanted it to be I know it's obviously our magazine but I wanted it to be a collective our magazine so everyone kind of is involved and is part of that and I think it's just the best thing's been seeing people grow in confidence I thought they didn't really have anything to share um and then they have and they've felt really empowered and some of those people have then said can I write again um and yeah it's, it's just really lovely and it's been really nice seeing all those contributors actually connect together as well and make links there um, Mm. and support each other's practice. We've seen the magazine on CPD shelves in staff rooms. um, So that's really wonderful knowing it is having an impact for people. Yeah. And the magazine is just filled with so many different articles. It is truly diverse. Did you know what you wanted when you put it together? Yeah, so I had an idea in mind. It was a little bit mad at first because it was just like, all right, we're going to do this magazine. Um, and obviously it was all from scratch, all our own thing. Um, but yeah, I we were very keen from the outset. We wanted it to be really diverse, very inclusive. So the process of getting involved in it is very inclusive. It's, a, you know, if someone submits that they want to be involved, that's brilliant. Let's go for it. Let's make it work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew we wanted it to be kind of full of different bits really so we wanted articles we wanted interviews we also wanted to make sure there were free resources in there so things people can take away and use so some bits from us some bits from other educators as well that they've kindly shared um we really wanted it to be something that people could dive into and find something that would help them or dive into and kind of see something that inspired them to be involved as well um yeah, we knew straight away it needed to be a community thing, needed to have lots of different aspects. But it, it's one of those things that's still growing. Um, there's different things we've added to it. Um, there's some some features that have stayed, like the Pets Corner and the fun things like that. Um, <laughs> but then we've also kind of found new areas to explore, and that's been really exciting as well. And I know you're always keen for a book review, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, that's been a really um, nice one to include as well because there's so many good books out there, but it can be quite overwhelming for people to find them and pick them. And so it's, you know, just a little bit of support with that too. (laughs) It's funny actually because the whole book thing is one of the reasons that I created Tiny Voice Talks on Twitter Mm. originally because I was terrified. I remember I was reading this thread on Twitter and it said, you know, what books do you recommend? And I was terrified that people would judge me for my choice of books, mm. Kat. How mad's that? They say it's mad, but actually I think it's quite common that people worry about things like that and how people will see them and perceive them. I think especially if you are, I know I have this issue because I'm I'm quite a people pleaser, so I, mm. I like to please people, which in some ways is really great and it means that I'm you know, I'm really passionate about empowering people, but that also sometimes it means that I worry far too much 
about what other people might think or assume and and usually assume the worst and actually often people are a lot kinder than (laughs) than I would expect yeah I I completely agree but it is it's that nerve and actually that Mm. that brings us back to the point of everyone has something to share Mm. what would your message be to the the listener that's going yeah but I don't no, I think it's it's really easy to say that that inner critic can be really embedded um, into people, but I would say you're definitely wrong. There is something, and I think sometimes it's just about finding that outlet for it and the way that works for you. So, you know, whether it's collaborating with someone on having your voice heard, whether it's just posting a comment on Twitter, or mm. it's writing a blog post, or it's you know, maybe going on a podcast is quite frightening, but maybe if you went with a group of people, you might feel better about it. Yeah. Maybe it's just sharing with the people within your own school at first, sharing ideas there and, and building up that confidence. I think it's sometimes you kind of have to dip your toe a little bit. Um, and I think find good people as well, people that kind of will push you to be the best you and will support you. Um, and also we'll be there when if things don't work out because you know sometimes we do take risks and it's not the best but yeah I think if you can surround yourself with the right people they'll help you realize that you have got something to share yeah and as you said you know that's exactly what you did you surround yourself with the right people you know Mm. Al and then Nick now let's move on to Nick and the Global Equality Collective for those Mm -hmm. people out there that don't know what it is what is the Global Equality Collective so it's an amazing organisation for all things equality, um, inclusion, diversity, equity. Um, they launched the very first diversity and inclusion app for schools and businesses so that they can make sure that they're doing all these things, they're doing them well, but also they're continuing to work on them because it's not a tick box done process. It's something that you know should be looked at all the time because everyone should feel they belong Um in their workplace or in their school but there's there's so much to it because there's also so many resources I mean there's the best book recommendations there's book clubs there are webinars training there's just so much there um and it is all just for that equality for all which is just such a beautiful thing to to be working towards um and it's a huge kind of collective of different people from different backgrounds, um, working in different roles. Um, I've met so many different people through it, which has been really nice. And it's actually a really great community that will actually support individuals as well. I had a friend that wanted some support returning to work after mm-hmm. um, so she, after having a few children and kind of being at that point of, I want to go back, but I'm scared that no one will employ me because she thought she hadn't got the skills or that people would look and go, oh, well, you've been out of work for this many years or, yeah. or well, you've got children, so you'll probably not be very reliable or you might go on maternity again. All those kind of negative stereotypes. Um, and actually, they were really able to help her find, you know, some different opportunities to also give her that confidence, uh, you know, and things that actually she had done really well and things that she will have learned even from her time not being at work as well from from being a parent and the skills actually involved in that too. So I think it's really great that it's kind of at that high level, but also right down to the individuals as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you've mentioned women in tech and women in Mm -hmm. STEM. So, you know, 
talk to me about those because I, I'm always really interested in women involved in STEM because I think our, our young girls need those role models. Mm, yeah, absolutely. It's it's quite sad, really, that it's um, in an industry that is overall um, heavily gendered um, and there is that gap. Um, and I mean, the fact that there's still gender pay gaps and things like that is just baffling. Um, but there is a real lack of women in STEM, um, so in science, tech, um, engineering and maths. Why do you and think that is? I think, I think it starts at a very young age. So okay. it's that there's a lot of stereotyping and some of it is unconscious. Um, it's just it's down to simple things. Like when I was teaching, I remember looking up scientists um, and it was I think it was just something like famous scientists I typed mm. in. And there was a list on Google and it was like, the, it took me maybe like 40 scientists to get to a female scientist. Yeah. Um, so it's just things like that, that there's just seeing all the time, um, continually, um, definitely feed in. I think sometimes it's a lack of kind of those kind of, yeah, role models, actually seeing those people, um, having access to it, things like looking at books, looking at the curriculum. I don't think the curriculum often helps either with that kind of diversity. Um, I remember as well when I was at school, I had no idea why I would want to ever work in tech. I thought IT was really boring. All I remember about it at school was spreadsheets and <laughs> formulas oh, on Excel. I, uh, I do now, but okay, at the time good. I was so fed up with formulas on spreadsheets <laughs> and was, I had to make my own website, which was on like some, it was on like a really rubbish little, you know, beginner's website thing. And yeah. I just remember going, well, I'm not going to use this. So I think sometimes there's a lack of purpose in teaching yes. as well of these different subjects oh, my and understanding yeah. all the different job opportunities out there. It's not just, oh, you study science if you want to become a doctor there's so much like you might want to be a forensic investigator or I mean I found out recently about someone that's like a forensic data scientist which sounds really cool Ooh. and a job I'd never heard of so I think it's that that lack of understanding um the lack of of knowledge and the lack of opportunities I guess to really experience all those different subjects and really understand you know where they could take those and, and what they could do with them yeah, I'm absolutely convinced I'd have been more interested in science if I'd have, if I'd have known that there was a career out there in forensics. I yeah, really absolutely. But I think yeah. you're right, it's attaching that purpose. And I wonder mm. if we, I don't know, I'm speaking from my own point of view here, um, mm. and the listeners can consider theirs, but I'm wondering if we do attach more purpose to perhaps maths and English and so on than we do to the STEM subjects I don't know mm. yeah I think you might be right there I think sometimes there is so much focus on kind of um you know making sure that English math science are all the you know expected levels everything's checked off etc and it's not to say that those skills aren't important but it does mean that some of those other aspects are kind of left to one side or just not really focused on as much mm. um and also I guess it's just that there's not as much time for like those soft skills and those life skills that also really come under that bubble too. Yeah. Um, and that can really affect the perspective of some of those subjects and they can kind of just be seen as a very box checking thing because of the pressure on, on schools and their staff. Yeah, absolutely. And so <clears throat> you've, 
been in the IT world for quite some mm-hmm. time. But has that been linked then also to the STEM world? Yeah, yeah. So kind of in that kind of technology aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you can kind of see those gaps. I'm always interested in- if, sorry, th- this the reason I'm, I'm asking this question is I'm always, I'm just interested about how, so we talk about technology, but mm. then we talk about STEM. And I'm really interested, like, how do you make that connection? What is the bridge between that to the other in order for, you know, the teachers out there that might be interested in technology mm. to actually develop the STEM aspect, if that makes sense, which is why I'm asking. It's bizarre. Yeah, actually. so I think um, it's probably about how technology is embedded throughout the curriculum and throughout different subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, so using it not just within um, IT or just within computing, but kind of exploring it in lots of different ways and actually using it as a facilitator for learning different subjects. Um, and yeah, looking into kind of more more of the science within that and, you know, the mathematical aspects, really unpicking it and understanding how it works and how that kind of feeds into those Um yeah, just, I guess, pulling it apart and really exploring all the different facets of it and actually using it cross-curricularly would yeah. kind of help with that, for sure. Absolutely, yeah, because sometimes, you know, they can be taught so often mm. at, you know, so separately when actually it's the connectivity that will help them to make sense. Yeah. So coming back to Everyone Has Something to Share, Kat, what else can people find within the Rise magazine? So within Rise, you'll find um, so many different educator voices. Um, so a huge number of contributors um, sharing different practices. Um, I think also in there you can find a sense of not being alone, um, mm. shared experiences. Um, so yes there's lots for you to learn but there might also be a lot of things that you can identify with Um, some of the parts that might have been difficult some of the journeys that you're on at the moment um, you might be able to find support there too Um, and just an opportunity for you to share your voice we're always looking for more contributors more people to be involved Um, so you'll definitely find that there as well and if more people do want to be involved, how do they connect with you and find their voice as such? So either they can find me on Twitter. I'm pretty active on there. You um, are. <laughs> really school K. Or they can email rise at netsupportsoftware.com um, and just kind of get in touch there. Or even if you go to the magazine, there are um, links there for you to get in touch as well. Um, but yeah, the, probably the easiest thing is just to find me on Twitter. <laughs> so tell me about the podcast, because you say that that came from the magazine. It's just all developed. Tell me about your podcast. Yeah, um, it's been an interesting journey. I kind of thought, I don't know why anyone would want to listen to me do a podcast. Um, <laughs> so I often what, think that's about this. I yeah, but what's myself. worked, I but think, I, is... Yeah, I realised that it's about the guests. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that it was about framing it around the guests. So it's been really lovely kind of just asking people, you know, what do they want to talk about? What do they want to discuss? Mm. And then although I give them some 
questions that we're going to explore it's still quite open so we can kind of you know go off on tangents and and talk about different things um it's more just to give them some things to of what they might expect um but it's been great having people come on and talk about all sorts from work-life balance well-being uh using people voice online safety for primary pupils um using technology effectively all kinds of different topics and I Mm. think what's been really great with it is it's been something that that guest has particularly wanted to talk about has a passion for um so that really comes across um the the kindness one that I did with John was um was very kind of touching their aspects and there he talked about his experiences growing up and um that was quite emotional and you could really hear that passion and I think that meant that anyone listening has so much more to take away from it because obviously that was so important to him yeah absolutely I think you know John McGee I've he's been on this podcast as well phenomenal powerhouse that Mm. is all about kindness and I think you know his his love of kindness is infectious it really is oh absolutely So what does the future hold for you? You just seem to be going from one thing to another to another. I mean, I don't think you can fit much more in, but what are you hoping? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I, I'm actually really happy with everything I'm doing now. So I think it's probably a case of just growing from those points. So, you know, growing Rise Magazine so that even more people are involved mm-hmm. and, you know, we're learning new things, involving new communities, kind of just growing that. Um, same with the podcast, connecting with lots of different people. Um I'm always keen to be involved with the Global Equality Collective as much as possible. So um, kind of, yeah, taking on different um, aspects of that as well. So, yeah, kind of more of the same, I guess. (laughs) Sounds good. And for listeners, if you're wondering how you get hold of Rise Magazine or what, you know, how to link into Global Equality Collective, Mm -hmm. all of those links will be on the blurb attached to this episode. So just look at that and you can click on those links. So Kat, the question I ask everyone as I wrap up the podcast is this, if you could have been taught by anyone, living, dead or inanimate, who would have been your perfect teacher? Um, It's funny actually because I think I had my perfect teacher um, when I was in reception um, and I would have loved to have been able to have her teach me beyond that. just she was just the warmest person you could ever meet and she just had so much kind of kindness within her um when I was young um so I was diagnosed with dyspraxia and at the time my parents were told I probably wouldn't be able to write um kind of lots of kind of extreme statements um and I was kind of determined to prove that wrong and so was my teacher and I think because she had so much faith in me and was kind of so supportive um, and really supportive for my parents as well, kind of going through that. Um, I was able to kind of, yeah, just prove that wrong and kind of always just keep going. Um, Yeah, she just was such a kind of shining light for everyone, I think. Um, She had time for everyone. She would support anyone in any way that she could. but also, you know, she she was she was firm but fair as well. Um, so there was, you know, that consistency that I think everyone needs um, mm. from their teacher as well. Um, but I remember that for years, um, her when she left school, her writing letters and um, 
yeah, she's just just a really wonderful person. That's so lovely. That really is. And thank you for sharing that about dyspraxia and the fact that actually you weren't willing to just go, okay, that's fine. That's how it's going to be. You Mm. actually went against that. And I, you know, I wonder now if the person that, you know, told you and your parents those things, if they could see you now, oh my goodness, what you've achieved. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think sometimes there are a lot of kind of caps that people put on things like that. Um, and actually, there's just no need for it. I mean, we've seen it. Like, for example, see, so you've had Elise on here. And mm. um, what she's been able to achieve is absolutely amazing. Um, you know, and I'm sure it was probably a similar experience to her growing up where people thought she wouldn't be able to do that. And yeah. she has because of her determination, her character, um, her, you know, amazing personality. So, yeah, yeah. I, it is. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where that's kind of, I think that's probably partly what feeds into that thing for me of wanting to kind of empower people and lift people is that kind of battle against the kind of caps that people put on each other and on themselves. Um, Yeah. Break that glass ceiling. (laughs) I think that's such an important thing to say. And, you know, yes, at least interestingly, the two of you have very, very similar themes. You know, Elise was everyone has a voice and you're everyone has Mm. something to share. The fact that actually we need to ensure that we aren't seeing a label or a diagnosis, but we're seeing the person and their true capabilities. And you say Mm. smashing the glass ceiling, because I think as educators, we owe it to the young people we teach Mm. not to be teaching them within the confines of what we think they can do, but actually allowing them to show us what they can do. And I think, you know, that I suppose that's what you're embodying, really. The fact that you're allowing the people that are writing for Rise, you're allowing, you know, through Global Equality Collective, you're you're enabling people to really show what they're capable of. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of the key takeaway I would want for people is actually you're often a lot more capable of a lot more than you think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, Kat, I'm walking away like 10 feet taller you know, I really am. And I'm so grateful to you for all you're doing. And as I say, listeners, get hold of Rise Magazine. You know you want to read it. You need to read it. And yeah, I just hope you have a fantastic rest of your day, Kat. Thank you. I hope you do too. And thank you again for having me on.